Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, taped live at Twitch and available on YouTube, on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched all that much wrestling, and Hulk Hogan is canon the bad guy confirmed. I don't fucking care what kayfabe is supposed to be. Yes, because we are back in 1987. I don't have any pop cultural references available, but we're in, it's 87. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Uh, but important pop culture of uh, pop culture of 1980, 1987. Yep. Let's see. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, Moonstruck, The Rise of Dirty Dancing, House of Games, Madonna's Disappointment, Fatal Attraction. Well, there Shit, is certainly I mean a fatal attraction going on between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant as they're pulled toward each other in a clash of the titans. Sure, okay, that's as good as that's going to get. Yay, I did so, it! So, yes, uh, we are revisiting primetime wrestling in 1987 as we continue the bit, the road to WrestleMania 3, headlined by Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. Last time we were here... Uh, tensions had gotten it gotten a little tense. I know, but no, no real betrayals yet. As Hulk Hogan had gotten a big old trophy for being WWF champion for three years, and then Andre the Giant got a smaller trophy for being undefeated for fifteen years or whatever. The who cares? The important thing is, of course, Hulk Hogan. Not, uh, not uh, ex ex excuse you, excuse you. While that that did indeed provide tension, because of course. The Hulkster just had to be an egomaniac about the whole thing, as you do. I think we're ignoring the true tension of that last episode between Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, truly, I have never seen a more dynamic uh, a clash of, of magnificent personalities as those two. That that was the true compelling story right there, my friend. That's true. We got to we uh, uh, Bobby the Brain hit the phones to figure out, learn some info about WrestleMania three, and he determined. That it's on March 29th, the thing that Gorilla already said. Bobby the Brain Heenan. His name is the Brain, but it doesn't specify how big it is. Hey, that's offensive, sir. That's that's offensive to weasels everywhere to suggest <laughs> that Bobby Heenan doesn't have a big brain. Um. Uh. Well, I don't know how to respond to that. Uh. I mm -hmm. fuck the fuck the weasels. Fuck them. Fuck them all. That's my stance. I'm sticking with it. That's the title of this episode. Fuck the weasels. But, no. Oh, God. Well, if we're going to say we... What a fucking liar, dude. What a fucking weasley little liar, dude. Holy shit, dude. Holy... Still... Can somebody tell Bobby Heenan that he's still lying to his audience? No. Oh. But yes, that is... those and And some wrestling happened. We had fun with it last time. And... More wrestling has happened since uh, we've last watched. Today, what we're going to watch is the February 13th episode of, of uh, 1987 episode of Primetime Wrestling and some extra bits from the February 16th episode. Uh, the reason they are so close together is because they got preempted the week of February the 9th uh, for the Westminster Dog Show. Oh, yeah, this So thing. USA Network was like, get the fuck out. You can air on thing. Friday. 
You can air on Friday. Bobby Heenan freaked out about the idea of having being on a show that's on Friday the 13th. Gorilla was like, shut up. <laughs> Damn, the WWF really has just gone to the dogs. Hey. Hey. Uh. So we're we've one episode has passed since we last watched. So I'm gonna go ahead and give you a quick breakdown of what happened on the last episode that I watched. Uh, George the Animal Steel uh, fought um, uh, Paul Orndorff, Mister Wonderful, and the whole bit was that Bobby Heenan brought Miss Elizabeth posters to ringside to distract uh, George Steele. And why then, wait why is miss elizabeth used being used to distract this man i've never heard of before george Steele, remember the the friendly crazy guy eats turnbuckle pads oh has him, a crush on him has a oh. crush on miss elizabeth oh yeah the totally not problematic thing yeah that yeah that guy anyway the match basically went to a whole big schmoz because they started hitting people with chairs and shit it just got real intense Ah, uh, yes. The, the the most unprecedented of things to happen in wrestling. Hitting people with chairs. Okay, it was really funny is that like when stuff started getting out of control, yeah, Mean Gene, Okerlund, and Gorilla Monsoon were doing commentary for the match. And they were talking about like, if the ref doesn't throw this match out, you know, what's, what's, what's going to happen next? How far is this going to go? They start positing like <laughs> of, of the slippery slope of pro wrestling. If, if the rules aren't properly enforced. And I was looking at wrestling in 2021. I'm just kind of like, well, and the state that of hardcore not, wrestling. Was that not also wrestling of this era too? I'd say that hardcore wrestling has gotten a lot more, has gotten more prevalent okay. in the last 35, 30 years or whatever. But yeah, that was hilarious to be like, oof. Um, then, then we get a match, uh, outlaw Ron Bass. He's an outlaw. He's cowboy. Shooty, shooty, shoot, shoot. Damn. Damn. He won. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, we get, uh, a video for a guy I've never heard of before. And you probably don't ever need to know who this guy is, but I want to bring him up because I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, we get a video debut for Outback Jack. If you can't tell what the gimmick is. He's Australian. He's, he's clearly a huge fan of Outback Steakhouse. I mean, he's Australian. <coughs> yeah, so he's basically like, he is ostensibly this guy who's been living out in the Australian wilderness his whole fucking life, but somehow he got hired by WWF, and so now he's 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 going to join the company, but he's like a, a dumb country bumpkin. Like, he doesn't know what an automatic door is. And he cuts a whole promo in the airport, in the airport terminal. And it's like, okay. okay. Wait, he doesn't know what an automatic door is, but he knows how the fuck to cut a promo. Yeah. But like he, he walks through automatic, like he get through like the automatic door and he's like, what the fuck is this? You know, of all the, you know, silly, dumb, overplayed tropes that I've seen WWE play into and that I can only imagine they played, played into year after year. Um, variations on the theme of unfrozen caveman lawyer was not something I was anticipating. Uh, and to be honest, I'm kind of disappointed in myself for not anticipating that. Hey, but yeah, I'm, I might see a match of his at some point. I don't know. I've never heard of him before, 
And then there was a promo with the Can-Am connection where it was literally them just like working out and talking up their own cities. Like you get like Tom Zink being like, you know, it's a beautiful city, New York City. And they show like stock footage of New York. (laughs) They show the fucking cats marquee. And I was like, hey, hey, cats. Damn, that Winter Garden, though. They, he, uh, if only Tom Zink had been like, Rick, it's about cats. It's, <laughs> if only we had gotten Tom Zink on that movie instead of Tom Hooper. Mm, the better Tom, really. An interesting theory. And then Rick Martell would counter and be like, you know what is a beautiful city? Toronto. And, event- and they show stock footage of Toronto. And then eventually they're like, you know what? Both of our countries are great. Is it? It's the just the, it's the handshake meme. What is the point of this? And I was like, this, this haven't you guys been tag teamed for like months? Why are you like having this conversation about how great each other's countries is? Just, have you never talked to each other about this before? Um, clearly not. Um, these these men are are uh, clearly too busy discussing philosophical matters far too great. To, to to dally themselves with such petty squabbles as whose city is better. It, it's yeah. truly a desperate time filler, obviously. I guess. Uh, also, also get- just want to shout out, uh, looked it up, Outback Steakhouse, uh, Outback Steakhouse was founded in 1988. Damn it, there goes my headcanon. <clears throat> yeah, out, that Outback Jack just really likes Outback Steakhouse. Damn it, maybe, maybe have he's you a cons- time Have you considered the headcanon that Outback Jack founded Outback Steakhouse. Oh, shit, buddy! Oh, that's the real shit right there! Oh, okay. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Alright, new headcanon confirmed. Let's go, baby! Alright. Next <laughs> match is with a wrestler I've never heard of before. Uh, Tiger Chung Lee versus Jerry Allen. Uh, Tiger Chung Lee, I looked him up so I could talk about him. Uh, he is a South Korean wrestler. Well, he's technically Korean-Japanese. And his thing is, he's Korean-Japanese, and he knows martial arts, and that's it. I know. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm considering it a win because I didn't see any noticeably offensive stereotypes. Wait, what? No, he's he's just like a guy who's Korean. They don't really touch on it any other way. Plot twist. And this is the same company that's got like Mr. Fuji in it. So I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay. He's fine. Yes. I'm here for that. Also, isn't Chun Li a Mortal Kombat character? Or no, Street Fighter. Chun Li, yes. This Chun-Li. is Chung Li. Tiger oh, Chung Li. Pardon. Excuse, excuse me. Yes. Also, um, Jerry Allen, uh, Tim <laughs> Allen's uh, far more mediocre younger brother, obviously. Sure. Sure. I'll buy that. Yep. Uh, then we get Brad Rennigans versus Frenchie Martin. Uh, Brad Rennigans is like. He was legitimately a coach for the U.S. Olympics wrestling team, and now he does. He's doing the pro wrestling graphs, and that's his shtick. Uh, the best part was when Bobby Heenan suggested that the reason Brad Rennigan quit the Olympic is that the reason that the Olympic team lost in whatever the in I guess the '84 Olympics it would be is because the entire wrestling team realized that Brad Rennigan sucked as a coach and they couldn't beat the Russians. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's that's unnecessarily mean to your new employee. Yeah, and obviously Gorilla was like, would you knock it off? <laughs> it, exactly those words, too. Gorilla's, Gorilla's snappiest comeback is just, will you knock it off? 
Yeah. And then Frenchie Martin uh, is not a gay stereotype, as you, as you might think from the name. He's actually just a dude who's French Canadian. He's we, kind of ugly, actually. <laughs> we've avoided Normally, two offensive stereotypes in one go. Who, baby, is this upside down world right now? Yeah, so French Martin is basically named so because he is French Canadian, and he normally pals around with um, uh, Dino Bravo. But I, he's a wrestler too, as most managers are, and he just had this match, and he's here to kind of make Brad Rinnigan look good. It's mm. fine. It's sixteen minutes. It's not the greatest thing ever. I don't really care. Uh, we get a six-man tag match between a bunch of guys I don't really care about, to be honest. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Where is the important thing that I was talking that I was going to get to? Uh, we'll get to it if we get to it. Uh, we get the Islanders, which are, I forget which Samoan wrestlers these are, but they're the Islanders against Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Uh, their gimmicks are what you think they are based on their names. Nikolai Volkov is very Russian. He gets heel heat by forcing the crowd to listen to him sing the Russian, the Soviet national anthem before every one of his matches. Wait, <laughs> why is that heel heat? If somebody did that, they'd have my allegiance immediately. Oof. Not, <laughs> yeah. Not, let, let, me, let me add, let me add. Not even because I am an avowed filthy commie. Oh no. Just for the memes. If I, if I heard someone get on mic and go, I'd be, I'd be like bowing down, take all of my money immediately. Yeah, so uh, they have a match. It's pretty quick, and the Volkov and the Sheik win. Okay, here's the actual Ooh. important thing we should talk about. Okay. The Piper's Pit segment of the week. Oh, God damn it. Uh, where we get uh, Jesse Ventura uh, in a follow, in what I consider to be a precursor to his career as a conspiracy theorist libertarian in 2021. Uh, uh, excuse he, you, conspiracy theorist libertarian presidential candidate. Get it right. Of course. Uh, he has a, he's, he had, he's been doing a, 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 a investigation because he, something smells afoot to him is so to cut, to do some backstory that I didn't mention before is that in 1986 to write Andre off TV so that he could go film the princess bride, he was suspended indefinitely as part of a feud with Bobby Heenan and his family of, of wrestlers. Uh, and he was reinstated by the end of 86, but Bobby Heenan had previously shown support of Andre getting reinstated and kind of refused to explain why that's uh, why you would suddenly be okay with that. And Jesse Ventura is like is is questioning the fact that at like the meetings to have Andre reinstated, Andre wasn't even there, but Bobby Heenan was present at the proceedings. And he's like, "What? What is this? This doesn't this this is suspicious to me." And of course, uh, Ventura decides to be an ass about it and be like, "I know the information, and I'm not telling anybody." Naturally, <laughs> naturally, and then. Him and Piper almost comes to blows over this because he makes accusations. He he insinuates that that um this the you know stuff's getting fishy and Brody Piper's like no of course not nothing going on here and so Ventura is like 
Like, you're questioning me? Well, there's only two ways this can be settled, and you and me can step in the ring. And Ventura takes his jacket off, and Roddy takes his shirt off while still holding the microphone for this interview talk show bit. And they're like, okay, let's come on. But then he's like, or we can get this settled next week. You bring Hogan, and 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 I'll bring Andre. And Roddy agrees to that, and that's the premise for the Piper's Pit segment on this episode that we're going to watch. That took an interesting turn from where we were last week. Yeah, where this is suddenly there's there's conspiracy afoot. Yeah, it went from like a small interpersonal drama to all of a sudden like Hogan and Andre are pawns in a proxy war. <clears throat> well, technically Andre is, is everyone in the Heenan family is part of a proxy war. Spoilers for how this plays out. Oh, God damn it. Uh, Heenan. Because Heenan Heenan is obsessed with having the WWF champion in his group. Heenan. Of course. Of course. Yes, but so that's the that's the uh, thing of week here is that Hogan and Andre are going to meet again on the Piper's Pit. I'm sure it'll be great. Wait, and hold then, up. Hold up. Wait. Does this mean that this and Andre's next belt pursuit are both in proxy for someone else effectively? Because his next belt pursuit is for is for fucking DiBiase. I guess you could argue that. Yes. Andre, you poor man. Please. Please find people that respect you more than this. You don't need to fight for other people. Fight for yourself, my man. Hmm. Oh, no. Anyway, we get a squash match between Hercules Hernandez and Jim Parks. Uh, Hercules Hernandez is big, muscly boy uh, in the Heenan family stable. And his shtick is that he puts people in the full Nelson and he doesn't let go. And he's it's basically undefeatable. The full Nelson lock. Okie dokie. You've seen, you've seen Bobby Lashley. That's that's the, oh, same, it's oh, the same move. Oh, wait, really? Like the move, yeah, the move that Bobby Lashley does that you've seen. That's the that's the move that Hercules Hernandez does. Um. Well, then that move's clearly been depowered over the years because Lashley did not win that match. Oof. Uh. Yes, but Hercules, he's taking a basically he's in a fight with Billy Jack Haynes, who is a cowboy character, and the shtick is that like no one can break out of my out of my full Nelson lock and Billy Jack Haynes is like, I can break out of it. And her, and they're like, how dare you? This is going to culminate at WrestleMania. We may or may not watch this match. Uh, but right. Billy Jack Haynes shows up after Hercules wins and they like have him get put in the lot in the full Nelson lock. And they tease that he's going to break out of it. And then Heenan kicks him in the gut and makes sure. And, <coughs> him and then and it's Billy Jack beat him up. So like the idea is that, they don't show him not. They don't show him escaping from the mask from the lock from the full Nelson, but they tease that he could. They, Jesus so, Christ! For being a commentator, he is just like an arch heel. I didn't realize he how the extent of his villainy. Holy shit! He's all over the place because he's also a full time manager who manages like most of the top heels of the company at this point. What the fuck? Who, who decided to give Bobby Heenan so much power? Jesus. That's a good question. Blame Jack Tunney. Tunney. Everything is worse for, for Jack Tunney. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, it, it's just, it's just scientifically proven. Jack, Jack Tunney is, uh, uh, was, was a blight on that company. 
Yeah. And then the main event from the last episode is we get a, a kind of a replay from the Saturday night's main event. I don't know if this was a dark match or not. Uh, King Harley race versus the junkyard dog. And they play into the feud and Danny Davis is the referee that plays into it too. As Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura are on commentary going back and forth about Danny Davis being a crooked piece of shit. Uh, it ends when Danny, it ends when Harley race tries to leave. And so he gets counted out, but before he goes, Jay, JYD steals the Kings, the King Harley races crown and robe. And he teases putting it on. And so after the match is over, Harley race comes back and starts trying to, and starts kicking JYD's ass. And the, and the complaint is that Danny Davis isn't trying to stop this even a little bit. Hmm. he's just sitting and watching all this go down and eventually jyd went, breaks free and then he attacks danny davis <laughs> in revenge and so you get like the funny bits on commentary of jesse like he should be suspended and vince goes i agree danny davis should be suspended oh my god there's always got to be some bullshit always got to be some bullshit and then, so that is the way that is, that is the show from previously and not, not a huge ton of, I felt this episode was a little bit fillery because there was just a lot of stuff that isn't important going on. And a lot of wrestlers we, I, that I don't need to otherwise talk about. Yeah, seriously. God damn. <clears throat> but we get the intrigue for Hogan Andre this time, next time around. And I've looked at the match card for the 13th and I think it's a, a pretty stacked episode. So I think we're going to have quite a bit to talk about okay well that's pretty dope then yep uh so if you would like to watch along with us uh you can of course watch uh prime time wrestling at on peacock wwe's official streaming partner it is 4.99 a month uh, with ads, five nine 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 a month without ads kind of sucks but it's, it is what it is um and the episode is available do that also on YouTube. The Andre Hogan segment is definitely available, <laughs> and the the full episode might be there. Look, if you look up the February thirteenth, nineteen eighty seven episode of Primetime Wrestling, you might be able to find the full episode. Sometimes those kind of just get snuck in on YouTube. But uh, we will be back here in about ninety minutes uh, to talk about. Uh, oh, uh, the episode, the February 13th episode of Primetime Wrestling. Nice. I'll see you guys then. And we are back. Uh, we have just finished the February 13th, 1987 episode of Primetime Wrestling and a little bit of stuff from the February 16th episode just to keep wrapping up some story beats. Yeah, um... This one was really wild for a number of reasons. This is probably one of the weirdest episodes of wrestling TV I think we've watched yet. Um, <sighs> I, I, my soul still hasn't recovered from Lanny Poffo versus Red Demon. Yeah, we'll get to that, but that's one of the highlights. There are kind of two, two main themes i've noticed to this week's set of episodes or and that would be um that would be heels getting a lot of legitimacy and pure 
unadulterated weird chaos. Yeah, so much shit was going down all week, going down the whole episode. Um, I mean, the big thing, obviously, is continuation of, of Andre Hogan. That's why we're here. Um, and it's, it's, I, I, I can't believe like that we're just on a roll of, of Hogan being a dick and like the heels being right about it. Like, like a, we have like NWO Hulk that got revealed a week or two back. Um, and on top of that, we fucking have, um, uh, um, we, we fucking have this where, where Bobby Heenan, God damn it is right because he's just constantly clowning on like what a dick Hogan's been to Andre and like how right Andre is to lash out at him. And, and, it, and it, it, yeah, yeah, you're correct. And, and on top of that, several other heels get kind of like big profile wins on this week's stuff and it's all nuts and I love it. But also when did WWF of the like eighties get this daring with some of its shit? Yeah, it is. Um, it is a little weird. I'm used to the good guys pretty much always winning, and the bad guys are just the schmucks that get beaten up. Yeah, uh, what the hell did these shades of gray get injected, Austin? I don't even know if it's shades of gray, but all the bad guys is picking up the dubs. Well, but like, and that's kind of shades of gray. And on top of that, okay, okay, how how intent like. How intentional is it that Heenan's right here? Because I can't wrap my head around this. Because there is no way in hell that Heenan is meant to be right. But he is so clearly right. He's not supposed to be right. How? But any, but any like, nuanced or adult, or I would consider, like, adult reading of Hulk, anyone who's reading this character who isn't a literal child would see how much of a dick Hulk Hogan is. And by virtue, that means Bobby's right. Okay. That was it seen like that at the time? Like, was the audience reacting to this in a way that kayfabe didn't mean them to? No, that this is what? not that doesn't happen at all. People, how people because Hulk because people loved Hulk Hogan, but so they took his side. They did that with Hogan, Hogan Savage, too. Like, we talk about how obvious it is that Hogan would have had. Had was attracted to Elizabeth, and he was, but you know, at the time, everyone was was on Hogan's side because they liked Hogan, so they agreed with him, and that's more of a, that's been more of a retroactive understanding of looking at it out, away from outside of of the gay Hogan filter and being like, oh, so Savage did have a point. Same thing, <clears throat> uh, an understanding uh, that Hogan was completely in the wrong this entire time is only retroactively when we're able to put some sort of objectivity to it. Cause everyone at the time was absolutely just on the go Hogan train. <laughs> okay. This is so wild to me. Cause I'm just, I I'm, I'm just thinking about this and like we get the, we get Hogan being a selfish prick in the last one, <clears throat> you know, egomaniac trying to steal Andre's spotlight. And the thing is, in this episode, we get kind of a two-parter of Hogan coming to grips with his friend portraying him because we're on the Piper's pit, um, and and like you know Hogan comes out and you know he's doing his Hogany thing, and then Andre comes out with Heenan, 
And Heenan all of a sudden becomes like a major power player in this. And I was remarking it like, Jesus Christ, Heenan's like a super villain with, with all this shit he's got going on. He um, is with, with, with the amount of guys that he has under his employ. He is kind of like this like ego. He's kind of like the power behind the power, so to speak. Like he's, he's like the real villain of it all because he's got his just army of big evil dudes. Yeah, again, uh, Andre fighting another proxy war at someone else's behest. Um, but, but regardless, we get Hogan, like seeing Andre out here with Heenan and he just has a fucking meltdown over it. He's like, Andre, you can't do this to me, man. There's no way you're with him. Tell me. And he's just going on. He's like, you're the reason I got into this. You're the reason you're, you're everything I've looked up to. You're my friend. How can you do this to me? And like, we're watching him have a breakdown in real time and it feels so sincere. And it feels like the desperate cries of a man who doesn't understand the implications of his own fucking shitty behavior. And God, if the WWF had the balls to do anything other than just, you know, good guy is good and bad guy is bad, this would be the most fucking compelling storytelling thing Hulk Hogan's ever did, including the NWO. Like, it, like it's incredible character work for, for a theme that's not meant to exist here. And it's so, it's so wild to me because there's so much sincerity here. Unlike last time where Hogan comes out and it's clearly like this ego trip, he's kind of running back through all the same talking points he was doing last time. But he's like, he's just so desperate to like understand what the hell's going on. And it reads like the ravings of an egomaniac who doesn't know what the hell an egomaniac is. And it's fascinating for me to watch because it feels like it's so telling not only of like Hogan as a character, but of like the whole MO of the WWF at the time. And it sucks because in some way I can't take it past analyzing that because there's nothing else intended to be there. Like what mm-hmm. I'm already analyzing is intended to be there. What is going on? Like, Hogan continues to show acting reigns that he never showed in any of his goddamn That's movies. He's, 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 his acting is so good, but it's not it meant is. to be that good. It's good without it being like what for what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be good, but it is good. And it feels like a complete accident. What? It is. It's he. He. It is fantastic. As you like, he. He true. Like, he plays it so hurt that as if he can't understand how this could have happened, man. And like, yeah, I agree that if you were to lean into it, this could have been one of like Hogan's greatest arcs. Yeah. To be technically, it still kind of is, but for completely but not reasons. right. But but not for the reason we're talking about. Hogan having any sort of introspection <laughs> could have been amazing. I would have not so hard if we got Hulk Hogan actually like examining himself or at least like you could even play it as like, he's too fucking like dense to examine himself, but we all know what's going on, mm-hmm. but we don't, but no, no but it's not framed. It's not framed that way because gorilla monsoon is, is to be considered the like neutral voice of like, it is through him that you understand what the narrative is supposed to be because he is the neutral slash face commentator here. Yeah. And the narrative is, is that Bobby Heenan got in Andre's ear and made him turn against his longtime friend, loyal friend. What? How? The the seeds of this were already planted. They are. I imagine it wouldn't have taken much convincing. That's the thing is that, yeah, Heenan definitely did get in Andre's ear, but he's not, he isn't telling him anything that isn't 
inaccurate. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Fucking fucking Gorilla Monsoon asks if if Andre like had a lobotomy or something, and I'm just standing <laughs> here like like. And, and, Here's the wild thing, Austin, is I didn't think to take that claim seriously until you reminded me just now that, that like, Gorilla Monsoon is supposed to be assumed correct about everything in his commentary. Mm-hmm. Th- that's the most delirious shit I've ever heard. What? Like, are we supposed to understand that Andre's under a fucking, like, brain-cut-in-half trance here? Like... None of this makes sense for what it's trying to frame because Hogan is so clearly in the wrong. And on top of that, the way the way Andre's playing it for the five seconds he's on screen for the two seconds he says words, he leans into what this feels like it should be too because he's just standing there while Hogan's again having a fucking meltdown. And at the end, Hogan's like, "Come on, man!" And all Andre can say is, "Get your arms or get your hands off my shoulder." And it. Like it feels like it feels like he's the reasonable one here, and he's like setting boundaries against this like abusive friend, and it feels mm-hmm. triumphant. And the, even the audience seems to be all like, "Yeah, buddy," but like, what? Oh god, this storyline confuses me. Yeah. So what Heenan claims, by the way, is is he frames this as as that Hogan has been taking advantage of Andre's friendship to avoid having to wrestle him. He plays it as. Andre is the champion of fifth is undefeated, excuse me, of 15 years and that Hogan couldn't possibly beat Andre and Hogan knows that. So by him, but, but by him buddying up to Andre, he knows that Andre would never ask because they're friends. He would never, he would never pit himself against Hogan like that. Yeah. And so, and the thing is, is there's not anything that contradicts that in that narrative. Like, We see, like, sure, there's no evidence of it because, like, Gorilla's one correct point to make is that Andre has never asked Hogan uh, for a title match before and been turned down. Now, Bob Heenan tries to play it off as he's, he's asked plenty of times and Hogan just said no in private. But, of course, we as a viewer can't assume that Heenan is telling the truth on that here's the thing i'm kind of assuming he is like i've just watching this i am legitimately this isn't this isn't me playing a be- playing up a bit or anything i am legitimately forgetting that bobby heen is supposed to be incorrect as to the framing of this while mm-hmm. watching this i mm-hmm. so i yeah, i have to ask oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna finish to say that like He's frame is that is is that Heenan's framing is that Hogan is is specifically avoiding Andre, and then the other side of it is supposed to be basic that like Hogan has never that again Hogan has never hid behind Andre, and he would have given him a title match if Andre had ever asked, and Andre just never had. And we as a viewer can't verify any of that. To be fair. There's no evidence of Hogan turning down Andre, but there's also no, no evidence of Andre asking. Well, like, okay, I I don't know. Like, couldn't you see Andre doing that behind, or Hogan doing that behind the scenes though? Like Andre being oh, like, "Hey, buddy, sure. can we talk about that title match?" And Hogan's like, "Oh yeah, 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 later. I gotta deal with something right now." Or, or listen, man, we don't have to fight for any of this stuff. You got your lane, and I got mine. We don't gotta clash in the like. I could see him doing that. I could. I could as well because of my read of Hulk Hogan overall. Yeah, maybe we're biased by real life Hogan, but like, 
Come the fuck on. Now the, I don't even need to look at real life Hogan, though that doesn't help either. It doesn't. Is, it doesn't. That's fair. It, even in kayfabe, he is an yeah. ass. He's kind of an ass on multiple yeah, occasions nobody, across his career, and nobody calls him out on that. it. I know. Because that because he is the good guy and thus is not to be questioned by other good guys. The only well, people the only people who call him out on it are Bobby Heenan or Jesse Ventura, who are both portrayed as being in the wrong for doing so. Well, because here's here's my thing too, is like, okay, question for you is when you set us up on this arc, did you like know about this moral quandary did you expect it to be like this fucking weird i mean i knew that i know the general beats of this story and so i'm not surprised that we went this direction because it because it, i've always i've already had the opinion that hogan was in the wrong here i didn't expect us to have this long tangent about like how right bobby heenan feels i'm gonna I, that wasn't planned <laughs> oh my god that's that it's 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 so wild that it's like gone to this level holy shit mm -hmm. um so yeah um and, and and then later on we get a part two where he's in the he's back in the piper's pit and roddy piper gives this gives this promo to him of like or he gives this promo of like talking about like the state that hogan's in he's inconsolable he can't believe his friends turn on him uh and then hogan comes in they have a little powwow that ends in like uh piper screaming like will you do it and hulk's like i don't know i don't know man will you do it yes and the audience yes! fucking shit yeah uh also hogan accidentally coming off like a dick again where he he comes through the doorway of the piper's pit while piper is still ranting on and hasn't properly introduced him into the scene yet he just shows up <laughs> looking all dejected and sad which okay let's talk about what he, he was looking like here because oh, kind yeah. of like outside of the the promo stuff which also has has i andre uh in the first part Andre going i'm out here for one reason only to challenge you for the world title at the wrestlemania and he rips hogan's shirt off clean off and he rips his cruci hogan's crucifix off and we get a really cool accidental visual of when he ripped the crucifix off, he tore, he, uh, it scratched Hogan across the chest. And so Hogan ends this first half of this segment here, like bleeding. Was that intentional by the way? That that had to have been unintentional. Yeah. The bleeding was completely unintentional. He didn't mean it made it. for that a hell of a cool visual though. It did. It made God, for a hell why of a Why are all visual. of the best parts of this arc fucking accidental? Like, he gets the unintentionally the bleeding down the chest, but then he comes into the second half of the Piper's pit with no shirt on. <laughs> and I, I told David, he, he just didn't get it. He didn't wear a shirt the whole rest of the, he didn't get a new shirt the whole rest of the week. Well, yeah. Like I told you, it's the fucking, it's the same thing as the half shave thing. Like mm -hmm. sure you could fix it, but then what's the point of having all the indignity in the first place, you know? Yeah. And all, and, and poor, poor Hogan. It's like he, you ripped my heart out. You didn't, you didn't just, you didn't just rip my shirt off, man. You, you ripped my heart out. You should have just taken a stake and put it right through my heart, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he was about a step away from doing that with the cross. So you know, kudos to Hogan for for yeah, for, yeah. for foretelling that. 
Yeah, it was for real. Hogan's acting in this was so good. It really was. This promo felt incredible. Like, both both halves of the promo really did. And even in the first one, again, it's all fucking unintentional for what we're enjoying about it. But, like, his acting was really good. And, like, the, the first part of the promo felt like this genuine, like, like, psychological deconstructing of everything Hogan's built himself up to be just all coming crumbling down because his, like, punching bag idol buddy... Um, is all of a sudden like growing a growing a spine against him and like gaining the power of independent thought or some shit. Um, and in the back half, like just him with with Piper, like it's not as like strong character wise, but damn, is it a great moment? Like it's one of those ones. It's orchestrated so well, and like the redeeming yourself against a friend's betrayal thing. I imagine like back then wasn't as tropified as it is now, and this had to have been a pretty unique way to like approach a gigantic main event uh for the company oh absolutely this was kind of this was very much like a very shocking moment of like oh shit it's hogan and andre former friends because you look at the 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 main events of the last two of the first two wrestlemanias by comparison mm-hmm. you get it was um hogan and mr t versus roddy piper and paul orndorff in a very much just like bad guy versus good guy situation yeah and, then, and also look we have mr t here true and then in wrestlemania 2 it was hogan versus king kong bundy and that was just a a very standard you know he's fighting heenan's monsters feud and but mm-hmm. like but bundy's always been a bad guy yeah the same way piper had at that point always been a bad guy by this point he's a baby face as you could probably tell so like him having to fight his best friend of years was absolutely like a big shocking revelation that like that's the main event storyline because <laughs> Hogan had never had to deal with that before. He'd never yeah. he'd never had to fight a friend. <laughs> yeah. Um it, so it feels like the way they present it feels like they understood what a novelty this was and what an incredible novelty it was at that uh, and they did play it up exceedingly well like I laughed kind of at just, like, how, like, Jack Wild some of the fans were going, but I imagine, like, after all this build-up, and it wasn't even that much build-up, but all this, like, you know, well-executed build-up that did feel like there was character tension, even if it's for reasons that we aren't here to appreciate. Um, um, the, the release of finally getting the, will you do it? Yes! It was a legitimately, like, shakingly cool moment. Hogan... If nothing else, his bread and butter lies so well in having these fucking gigantic, earth-shattering moments. Um, when he's used correctly um, for for climactic events, like dear lord, does he does he carry that sense of grandeur with him just on his pure charisma alone? As much as I rag on Hogan, I can't deny him that. Like he does have a charisma mm-hmm. to him, and it comes out so well. And he's he's so good at playing these gigantic moments. Again, it's the same thing as like. All the way back when we were talking about like Miss Elizabeth pulling him out for what would be the formation of the superpowers, like um, that same sense of grandeur is accompanied here, and it's this Titanic man agreeing to do something that the audience is just going to like absolutely fucking die for. Of course, it's going to be huge. Of course, it's going to feel triumphant as hell, and of course, it's going to feel like insanely earth shattering. It was, it was, it was a great, great moment. Yeah, definitely. Um. 
if we before we just do go beat by beat with the other matches mm -hmm. uh, i would like to go i would like to touch on the other thing that we like watch part of the february 16th episode yes four, the yeah danny, well, the, the well danny, this danny davis saga the danny davis thing kind of rolls into both of the motifs i was kind of looking at for this specific episode because like it's it's like the rise of the heels first of all and it's the fucking wildfire spread of just sheer chaos Mm -hmm. so like the first match that we get on this episode is uh the heart foundation against davy boy smith and billy jack haynes i don't really have anything to say about it because it's very similar to the match from last time with mm -hmm. the heart foundation versus davy boy smith and junkyard dog mm -hmm. it, it has a very similar formula because it fulfills the same narrative idea of of continuing this heart foundation versus british bulldogs feud but dynamite kid isn't available and danny davis is a cheating bastard yep and i feel like billy jack haynes is not nearly as engaging a character as the junkyard dog to make up for the fact that he is the odd man out of this entire story <laughs> um yeah i okay the 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 whole dynamite kid being gone thing um feels like it's putting a slight damper on this story. It is because it's very awkward and we'll get to the tag team match in a sec. I guess in a second, unless you have any, and as you have anything else to say about the, the first hat heart foundation tag match, but uh, not, um, not particularly. Um, um, I, it's more, it was more just like, um, it, it was funny to me that, that Davis fucked up yet another potential dub for them. Yes, he um he he literally at one point he literally grab grabs Billy Jack Haynes by the arms and holds him back as if to let Bret Hart hit him. Ostensibly, he's pulling Billy Jack out of the corner, mm -hmm. and then Bret Hart tries to take a swing, and Billy Jack Haynes ducks and decks Danny Davis. <laughs> and I can't I couldn't figure out what the official call was because what I, it then descends into pure madness and chaos and brawling and eventually another ref runs out and Billy Jack Haynes has Bret Hart in a full Nelson and then the ref rings the bell asks for the bell to be rung and I don't think I understood what exactly the end result was just that um Davy Boy Smith and the and Billy Jack Haynes won the match Yeah uh, the, both of the, um, well, I guess, no, no, I'm thinking of a different match. Yeah. Some of the, some of the calls in, in these matches were weirdly, were like meant to be played weirdly sloppy. Yeah. We'll get to um, Savage and Sam Martino later. Yeah. Um, and oh, and of course, you know, uh, Danny Davis has to, is, oh, he just cares so much about the rules. That's why he needs to keep push, fucking pushing Jim Neidhart in a corner. Um, yeah, they, they, again, it's more of the shenanigans of yeah, it, it, it felt, it, this one just kind of felt like a retread of the last one. Yeah, 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 100%. And, yeah. and like, in some sense, that's appreciated in the, in, because it almost feels like a, like a setup into a payoff because of the fact they put the tag title match in here too. But, you know, for our sake watching this like almost back to back it's just super noticeable how very same note it is from the last time yeah so, i mean i mean, really I mean they're doing bread. they're doing good work bret hart especially mm -hmm. is of course a standout uh i love i love bret hart and ring i will never not love bret hart and ring he sells so well he works so well i mm -hmm. what can i say yeah 
They even do the exact same post-match thing where like they grab Matilda and have Matilda run the heels off. Yeah, I know. Oh my although this time this time she went a lot more for Jimmy Hart. Yeah, Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart climbing the top rope real fat in record time. Yeah, we're we're seeing a motif of Jimmy Hart climbing top ropes recently. Yeah. Oh boy. So oh, then they that get little, to that, that little fucking snake. Later, then later in the in the episode, we cut, cut to because what had happened in the in the past week since the last airing of primetime wrestling was a the tag title match between the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. And the thing I thought was super interesting is is this episode kind of like makes you remember that this is a recap show because mm-hmm. they just straight up talk about what happened in this tag match that they're <laughs> going to show later in the episode, like Gorilla yeah. and Bobby talk about what happened before we get to see it and but we do get to see it and basically um it it does kind of unfortunately remind you how fucked up the dynamite kid is at this point because Hmm. he literally has no factor in the match what first of all they cut the entrances and i as i told david the reason for that was because dynamite kid was so unable to walk by this point that in the then when they filmed the match he had to piggyback right off of davy boy smith and because they didn't want to show that on TV to make the Dynamite Kid look weak, they just cut the entrances out. That's but that so... is where, but that's where Dynamite Kid is. He literally can't walk. That's so and, depressing, dude. And to put more full more context to that is essentially um, through a combination of you've never seen the Dynamite Kid, unfortunately, but in his prime, he's basically kind of seen as like the modern architect for high flying wrestling in America in wrestling today mm-hmm. like you look at his matches with um in in japan especially against the likes of tiger mask um and they everyone talks about like those matches revolutionized wrestling as it's seen in terms of high impact style but between that and the fact that when he got to the wwf he felt the pressure to get on the juice <laughs> do the roids uh, it basically fucked his body up and he ended up and they ended up, he went, he had to get medically like surgically for his back because he had destroyed like multiple discs in his back. It's uh, amazing. He could even walk after that at all. But what happened was not only that is that he's, he's confined to a wheelchair at this point, but Fuck. He was so in because he's he follows that classic wrestling trope of like you have to get back in the ring as soon as possible, especially as a tag team champion. He forced himself back into the ring in a sense to do this tag title match just to get the belts off of them. Jesus so, and that only exacerbated the injury, by the way. And that basically, like, his career was never the same after all this. Fuck, that's depressing. It is. And as much as the Dynamite Kid is kind of a piece of shit in a way that I'm I'm not gonna bother to go into right now, that that aspect of it is is absolutely terrible and it sucks really badly. So the match itself, what they do is they have Dynamite Kid hanging out on the apron, like on the outside of the ring, and they have Jimmy Hart run over and clock him in the back with a meg with his the megaphone. And he literally just lays face down the entire rest of the match. He Yikes. never gets back up at all. And so it's a two on one and they justify this of Danny, of Danny Davis constantly running out and checking on the dynamite kid 
as a way for the Hart Foundation to get away with fighting two-on-one. Davy Boy Smith tries his best, but eventually the Hart Foundation does get, get the win, and they win the tag mm-hmm. belts. And it's and they have to play it off as like this great injustice that Danny Davis screwed the British Bulldogs out of the tag titles by refusing to even try to referee a match. The yeah. match, yeah, like he puts zero effort to enforce any rules. He literally just hey, like, hey, hey, he's making sure Nightheart's in the corner. Okay, oh sure, and so. Then so we get to that, and there's nothing else to say because the match barely happens, and it's just kind of pressing. So the next mat, the next episode, the February the 16th episode of Primetime Wrestling, we start with an interview with Jack Tunney, and he's about to say something, and Danny Davis just runs past him because he's got to go referee a match, and Jack Tunney's like, "Hey, hey, hey, get back here!" Well, he here. doesn't have to go referee a match because I'm pretty sure the match he was going to referee already had a ref or two in that in that ring. Oh, that oh, you know that's true. But so Danny Davis tries to run back to go referee this match and it kind of breaks down immediately so quickly. Cause like for, he kicks at Jack Tunney, who's the president of the company, by the way. And he's trying to get started. And Jack Tunney eventually gets on the microphone and is like, Danny Davis has been suspended for life. life. Not fired. He's not fired, but he is suspended for life, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I but, just kind of read know, it as like the same thing as firing. Basically, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like, why keep him on and pay him to do nothing? Um, but anyway, Danny Davis is mad. He literally tries to try to fight Tito Santana, who was one of the wrestlers in the match. Like they start, they look like they're about to come throw punches at each other. But eventually, they get Danny Davis to leave. Jimmy Hart grabs him and takes him away. And then we get a promo later with with Jimmy Hart. That well, oh, you you've suspended Danny Davis, but now he's signed as a wrestler with me. Yeah, how the fuck does that happen? Is 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 Hart just allowed to sign people without Tunney's go ahead? I guess. Yeah, that was uh, weird. Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart's got a man inside HR. That's how I'm. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I and it was funny too, and I I said this to you when we were watching, but like. Um, in the earlier match, just the way that like D- Davis just kept just going off the fucking deep end of not even like pretending to not play favorites and just you know, he's so partial. He's such a fucking like clown about everything. I there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if this guy like you know turns wrestler just so he can like get all of his little <laughs> bullshit out. But then I, I didn't end up saying it out loud because I'm like, nah, that's stupid. Like. Like, it'd be dope, but they wouldn't let a ref, like, get in the ring like that. Especially not in this era. Like, what? Well, and then, well, well. Yeah, and then it turns out, holy shit. David's really got to stop uh, 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 questioning his premonitions. Especially um, because I've, especially because I've, of course, been sitting on the knowledge of this is how this goes. God damn knew, it. Always. I knew he becomes a ref. He becomes a wrestler. Well, I spared you one thing you had to poker face with me because I didn't bother to ask. There, you're That's fucking true. welcome. Um, nice. But, yeah. Um, so he's now a wrestler with, uh, with the Hart Foundation, uh, and I'm really interested to see where the hell this goes, because I don't, like, I have to wonder the backstage of this, like, was Danny, was this always meant to be Danny Davis's character arc? Was he, like, an indie wrestler that got picked up, and they're like, we're gonna do a long con with you, buddy, or was it just, like, 
th- th- their storyline got out of hand and they turned to this ref. They're like, dude, we have no logical endpoint for this other than getting you in the ring. So uh, shape the fuck up. I have no idea about his backstory and how they what how or why they decided to run this angle, to be honest. But it's 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 been a fun angle, at least to me, getting this at least the tail end of this because we've missed a lot because we obviously came in right at where they're like, you know what, this is going too far. Just get the fuck out. <laughs> no, no more refereeing for you. But I've had fun with bl- obviously blatant cheater Danny Davis as a referee. Yeah, um, it's pretty it's 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 pretty great, and it's it is going to be really fun to see to see him get in the ring and you know yeah, try to def- fucking hold his own yeah we're definitely watching his rest his wrestlemania 3 match like, oh he's I, I, in wrestlemania he does to get to have oh, a tag match yeah. and we're definitely watching that match because we've oh. seen this story play out i'm very excited for it oh my god so that's incredible we have had done that and now i think we can go ahead and just go beat by beat of what's left um. and what a great thing to start on after that. The honky tonk, man. Honestly, this wasn't like the worst of the honky tonk, man. I didn't hate it. I, yeah, I'm very surprised. Cause you um, have been, you have been very steadfast in your dislike of the honky tonk, man. Because a, he's fucking obnoxious and B, they just can't, they just couldn't help, but make him a fucking sexual harasser just constantly. Here, he's obnoxious, sure, but we get a lot less of him. I found his obnoxiousness actually kind of funny this time. And B, like, I actually, like, was appreciating some of his in-ring work. So, mm-hmm. fucking sue me. Yeah. So, the first thing we get is him in the Sam Phillips recording studio in Memphis. The same studio that Elvis Presley recorded out of. And he is ostensibly recording music. They conveniently start the promo after his song's over. Yeah. And Jimmy R. I, I really wanted to hear him sing a song. I'm very sad. Do we never hear him perform, like, ever? No, we do. We do. It's not hmm. great, but we do get some songs from him. But... Oh Right now, but then Jimmy Hart's running in being like, that was amazing, baby. That was, you sounded great. And he, and then Honky Tonk Man like runs down Elvis and tries to portray Elvis as complete shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. see, that's what I found funny is that like, instead of doing it where like, he's flat, I'm an Elvis impersonator or flat, uh, who the fuck is Elvis Presley? This was, yeah, Elvis is real and he fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I he's, found actually kind total of trash. I I actually think that's a pretty funny and novel way of doing your like your your like blatant ripoff of a real person shtick. It like, is. It's like it makes no fucking sense that like he is an Elvis impersonator blatantly, but he also thinks Elvis is su- sucks, which means he's just so delusional that he came to this that he that he he thinks that he came to this persona completely on his own and that Elvis conveniently just also exists and sucks. Yeah, like, that's I know. Kind of amazing. So okay, my question is and god, all of uh, I'm so focused on not in ring work this week, but there's just so much going on around it. I can't help There but, like, is. There's a lot of story stuff on this episode. Yeah, and I'm kind of here for it. Um is 
is is is honky tonk's music also meant to be just him doing elvis covers is that like what we're what we uh, are to assume he's doing yes i mean when he does real music he doesn't do elvis cut covers because then that gets into the realm of like we'd have to get permission to parody elvis music but when he's in this phase of like he ostensibly sings songs and writes music yes i think that we can assume that they're elvis they're elvis covers Oh my god, that's even fucking better then. That's so funny. A cover <laughs> yeah, artist he's, he's who come thinks up, the he's, original is shit and refuses to acknowledge that he's covering or, original songs. Hey, he's come up with this very original song type us idea. It's called Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit, man. That's so that's so good. Uh um, if only he's got, he's got this new hit song, Can't Help Falling in Love. Hey, hey, I want to circle back to the Heartbreak Hotel. I think that's such a good idea that someone else should co-opt that as a talk show title. Oh, ooh, that's a good answer. That's a good that's, idea. Ooh, yeah. Uh, you know, I just you have know, this feeling that it would work, right? I think it would be super over. And I think if I had to think of who should do it, like it should be somebody. It should be somebody. It should be a stripper, a, a male stripper. That's true. Yes, that's the perfect person. You know, he he somebody who's got a who's got a real co cool nickname like Heartbreak Kid or something like that. You know. Uh <laughs> Anyway, cheekiness aside, um yes. Honky Tonk is also rocking this great like um this great look where he's got like purple pants and fucking like suspenders over it. Yeah, before we get to that, though, I want to point out one of my favorite Bobby Heenan Gorilla Monsoon bits of the episode, where after he is in, they do the recording studio promo, you know, Gorilla is like, obviously like, what, what is this crap? Like, and he <laughs> tries to defend El, tries to defend Honky Tonk Man, <laughs> and takes his side of it. He's and also he, shitting on Elvis. Yeah, he tries to act like Elvis has had no impact on the music industry at all yeah elvis whom who and then eventually gorilla's like have you heard honky tonk man sing and bobby heenan has to cop to it and say no he hasn't but he knows he's good at it because he takes jimmy hart's word for it which is just a beautiful line beautiful line of heel delusion mm -hmm. um but yes, uh, back to back to uh, the honky tonk man is arrested in the match because we also get a match right after this. We get a match uh, where against Corporal Kirshner, who is exactly what you think he is by the name. So you know USA chance abound in a match between two Americans. And as I told David, what's more American than an Elvis impersonator? Yeah, you know what true although although austin and i both stood, sat here for a hot second thinking that honky tonk man might be canadian just because he kind of feels like he should be i don't know what about him says that but something about him is like i feel like he should be one of the canadian ones i think it's the association with jimmy hart who's got damn it that's it that's it he's got the aesthetic he's got the i work with jimmy hart aesthetic and bada bing bada boom he's a he's a yeah. canadian man Yes, but anyway, that the match is we yeah as you were saying he um he uh good old honky tonk man is wrestling with suspenders. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a great look, though. I kind of dig the drip because they look really fucking classy. Like they look mm-hmm. like like shit you could take to a Renaissance fair or something. Like I was kind of here for it. Um, and honestly, Honky Tonk's in ring work is good. Like I. I always feel like I like overuse this term or like that I'm way too simplistic in talking about it, but he's, he's got this, this style that I've, he's got a brutalist style that I've never really appreciated about him before. I I feel like I might've a little bit, but like he really showed it off here. Like he, he really leans into being this big bulky dude who fucking swings. Like he's not playing up the, like doing the Elvis hip shimmy, whatever is he's doing a little bit, but like, but like, man, he's just focused on laying into the Colonel here. And, and, and he, and it does come across pretty well and also yeah, he's much- damn does he sell like a fucking cartoon character he is he is he is so cartoonish in the ring and it's amazing yeah um uh well it, he's yeah because it's not just how he sells it's how he moves in general like he feels like a living like cartoon character there was some like je ne sais quoi to it where like um his his movements are like exaggerated and floppy mm-hmm. enough that they feel like they should be like the animated muscle of some like of some like big bad evil guy in like an eighties cartoon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it, it is it is it was it was fun to watch, and I ate my hat a little bit as I actually kind of enjoyed watching Honky Tonk Man work because he was like unobnoxious. Haha! I thought you were with me in hating of... Honky Tonk, dude. What the I, hell? I, I I like him somewhat ironically, but so. <laughs> Top ten I'm anime down. betrayals. I'm down with it. <laughs> anyway, honky, honky Tonk Man gets the win with the shake, the rattle, and the roll, which is a sweet, which is a player. really it's sweet move. Sweet. I I don't know if I've ever noticed that before. The he, he, they're both like they're both like you know um like L posing uh and Honky Tonk gets you in this grip and you're leaned over and he fucking like rolls the two of them like onto their onto their back. It's such a cool move and like weirdly nimble for him. Yeah, it is. It is a pretty sweet move. So he he gets the W. Uh, we get Blackjack Mulligan versus Nikolai Volkov technically. And I was disappointed for a couple of reasons. It's because I had mentioned Volkov when we started. And so I thought we were going to get the the Soviet na- rush, the Soviet national anthem shtick. But we cut to the match in progress to the point where he's already we, he's already been interrupted. Five. I know what the hell. So yeah. fucking angry about that. And then and then Blackjack Mulligan beats him in like five. I years wanted the sign. I wanted that so bad. And they took it away from me. Yeah. So he just kind of beats Volkov easily. Blackjack Mulligan is another big cowboy dude for, for reference. Uh, so he wins whatever. It, it's nothing. And then we get uh, the Jake Roberts promo, which uh, this is, I think this is our first time getting to see old Jake the Snake on the, on this show, or at least no, I don't think we've seen no, him do a um, promo, uh, have we? We did, we did um, well, we had him at the wedding. Oh, you're right. I forgot about the wedding thing. Yep. But I don't think um, we've gotten to see him do like a real promo. Um, no, we haven't. And it was a, it was a trip. Mm-hmm. Jake, Jake just has that cadence to him. Um, well, yeah. What the hell is up with that? Like, like, okay. What the hell was up with him? Like delivering this like doom and gloom message in the first place? Like why? And also what the fuck is that? cadence? 
that's that's all part of his intentional shtick. I don't know if he I don't know if he specifically was trying to do it this way. I assume he was, but I believe he was like trying to differentiate himself from an era because this is the era of big shouty dudes shouting all the time. Mm-hmm. So and he very specifically well, well, let, let me run this back again. Why was it such a why was it such a big deal that he was here in the like it kind of felt like it was supposed to be a big deal that he was showing up to this and i couldn't quite understand why maybe well, I just well, this, catch it. at this at this point in time he's really just like relatively new he's only been in the wwf about a year okay. by this point and he's basically been like an unstoppable force with his dangerous ddd which is such a basic move now it's funny that they paint it as is like how can anyone stop this man he hits the ddt and they're just dead it's over <laughs> and that's basically what the promo is about him just being like can't can you stop my ddt i just hit it it's over. yeah and he comes in wearing these obnoxiously large sunglasses and he's like i'm wearing the sunglasses because my future is so the future me and damien's future is so bright here in the wwf but i'm gonna take him off now to be get serious it feels like a knockoff clint eastwood shtick I very much see that comparison. <laughs> oh my god, I've been fucking seeing those ads for whatever his new movie oh, is yeah, out, and I'm so, I'm so god, I'm so, oh, I'm already so fucking over like the it a looks like so dumb, like 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 a just Clint Eastwood continuing to like jack off his own self importance, and B just hearing his, I've been in this game for far too long. I'm just uh, like, uh, what the hell are you still doing, man? Please let your Clint career e- die. At this point, all Clint Eastwood movies are this fucking same thing all clint eastwood movies are the fucking same thing um well okay they're 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 not all like the exact same thing but they're all like generally masturbating about how important clint eastwood is um and also like when it's not that it's like just weird like right wing like ideology pieces like the mm-hmm. one about the dude who got canceled that he directed a few years back and then he directed jersey boys god his career is weird anyway um, I, I saw jersey boys in theaters and i own the dvd of it. nice anyway so yeah back jake, to this jake, jake Roberts, the snake clint eastwood, jake, clint eastwood at go. home clint eastwood you know. but good there we go uh sure Anyway, the next thing we have to talk about, uh, Lanny Poffo versus the Red Demon. So let's go. Let's go. What the fuck was this match? We sat through 15 minutes of it. Why was it so long? That's a good question. So let's just start from the beginning. What they look like. Because holy shit. (laughs) Uh, So Lanny Poffo, Randy Savage's IRL brother, by the way. Fun fact. Um, he is leaping Lanny Poffo and he's wearing this weird ch- jacket and he's got fucking frisbees for yeah. reasons. And so- he then he gets on the house mic and does poetry and then he throws the frisbees into the crowd. Yeah, so naturally he does he does a diss poem, um, which naturally makes him the character ancestor to both The Rock and John Cena, and then he throws frisbees out into the audience, which also clearly makes him the character ancestor to the new day. Bada bing, bada boom. Sure, I guess this is, were frisbees popular in 1987. Look, look, he is throwing disc-shaped entities of crowd pleasing out into the audience, 
it's basically the same thing as throwing as throwing pancakes. All right. And then the red demon. Okay. So. What was that? Who was that? Why was that? Yeah, I have answers to a few of those questions, but I don't think those are satisfactory. No, they're uh, not. You looked at the dude's name. It was disappointingly not the Brooklyn Brawler. Um, just um, some Puerto Rican wrestler guy. Look, I am, I, it is my headcanon that the Brooklyn Brawler is every like secret masked rando that fucking comes out in this era. And every time it's not, I get increasingly angry. Well, we would well, we almost found out that it wasn't the Brooklyn Brawler because Lanny Poffo spent the whole match trying to take the mask off. And the audience was super into it because of course these fucks have no idea what Luchador culture is. Anyway, Red Demon, let's 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 yes. describe him. Okay. What so he's first, a blob. First of all, he his mask is like a snow leopard mask. Yeah. In color and the pattern. It looks like Prince Puma's mask had a had a really sloppy one night stand with a Rey Mysterio mask, and the love child that came out of it was real fucking ugly. Yep. <laughs> but, so, so, okay. so snow leopard pattern, right? You think that maybe this would be a pretty white design, right? Except you'd be wrong. He is of not the rest of his outfit is obnoxiously red, and by that I mean he wears a full a a. A, he wear first. He wears a um, sleeved shirt on top of the sleeved shirt that is bright red. He wears an equally bright red singlet, and the only way you can tell any difference is that the pants of the singlet are like grayish, and then his boots have shades of gray on them. But it looks so. N cheap as fuck it really does like i joked to i joked to awesome we were watching like this with 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 lenny Poffo being fucking randy savage's brother this feels like the asylum studios version of the the cage match scene from uh the sam raimi spider-man movie this fucking wish.com version of a luchador here yeah i know like, it's terrible like 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 Look. seriously imagine imagine toby mcguire's fucking like first spider-man costume in those movies where he's wrestling randy savage but even fucking like dumber and like the ugliness isn't meant to be campy or intentional somehow um and that's that's the red goddamn demon that is a fantastic you know analogy for what he looks like so and then we get to the match he he keeps that whole costume on, by the way, long sleeves and everything. Yep, it goes fifteen minutes, and there are parts of it that I found the first couple of minutes I found really fun because Lanny Papa starts doing head scissors and shit, and I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be really fun, actually. You know, Lanny Papa's a pretty athletic guy, even though he, he was, was never a big guy in he wrestling. Was, yeah. So he's going to do some moves and it's going to be a couple of minutes and it's going to be fun. And then we start getting into the shenanigans. This match amazingly has two different story beats that both are long and boring where Lanny Poffo spends the entire match trying to pull off red demons mask. And as David points out, 
everyone cheers for this because this is before luchador mexican luchador culture was more prominent in american wrestling so yeah. like the idea was that he was going to expose that like the idea was that the red demon was hiding his identity and so lanny poffo had a right to pull the mask off and reveal who he was under there oh my god and so he spends a lot of the match doing that and barely hitting moves meanwhile Old Red Demon is determined to fucking cheat because he's got like 37,000 things hidden in his goddamn trunks. And he's pockets everywhere. Goddamn. And he spends the whole match trying to pull stuff out. And he usually fails because either the ref or Lanny Poffo stops him. So it's not even a situation where you're getting to see a cheating heel character find new ways to cheat. You get to see a cheating heel character continue to fail to cheat. Yeah, it's played as like this weird like comedy of errors. He just played as like this bumbling moron. It's like, why are we doing this? <coughs> yeah, and again, and because they are so focused on this, the action in the match grinds to a halt constantly. Seriously, the ref keeps getting involved. He keeps fucking pulling to the side so we can like pull out shit and tape his hands or whatever. Uh, the, uh, the the we have to keep stopping for to try to like just tear his mask off. No other fighting. Like what? And this goes for fifteen minutes. It is so boring. It's so and boring. eventually, Lanny Poffo hits a top rope senton. And, and pins him, and he wins. And it's like, thank God. Oh, my God. Like, I've seen bad... We've seen bad matches on this show aplenty. I feel like this might be my least favorite one. This Just was for really... how boring it was and how long it was. Yeah, and, and how nonsensical it was and how stupid it was and how red I... demon it was. Just everything about this was, why were we doing this? This was ostensibly an exhibition match, I guess, for, for Lenny Poffo. But, like, the fuck was he exhibiting? Yeah, you make, this match was, because Red Demon is a jobber, like, you're, this match theoretically is there to make Lenny Poffo look exciting and interesting as a wrestler. And it definitely didn't do that. Oh, my God. Like, I, I'll put it like this. I would really, you know, I, you know, I would very much like that Bobby Heenan lobotomy that he got Andre the Giant so that I could forget I ever saw this match. You know, maybe Red Demon went through that Bobby <laughs> Heenan lobotomy and that's why he was so fucking incompetent and boring and terrible. Yeah. That was, so. yeah, it was, it was just a painful thing. And again, just a, just a weird running thing of like, why is everything so dumb and chaotic in this, in this, um, in in this week's shit like dumb doesn't always mean bad when with the stuff i'm referring to here but mm -hmm. like it was just dumb and chaotic and it's like wh why are we here what are we doing god that it man was... was so stupid and weird and i just wanted to be over why did it have a commercial break no Jesus we, why Christ. did we why did we go through a commercial break for that one that was ugh. <laughs> here and then we got rowdy roddy piper versus adorable adrian donis and i brought this up to david and it's kind of funny to point out is it like the heel characters consistently like get at roddy piper 
for wearing a skirt. Obviously, this being his kilt because he's Scottish. Get it? Right? But adorable Adrian Adonis is a heel character that he gets heel heat by wearing makeup and dresses and being effeminate. And so that's its own problem. Yeah. But yeah. also... From a heel logic perspective, how do you how what are the mental gymnastics required to be like Adon Adrian Adonis is great, but Roddy Piper is a skirt wearing freak? I think I think it's just that like a modem noise goes off in Bobby Heenan's head. Um and like in the process of trying to process this, he forgets that he even is supposed to like make fun of dresses and and he crosses over to like just praising Adonis and like completely overlooking the whole like oh yeah we're supposed to gash bash gay people thing and then he then he he, re he remembers he has to go and like um uh, uh go go and insult um uh Roddy Piper again he he crosses back over the bridge insert more modem modem, modem noises here and the whole like <laughs> you know the fact that that he's praising a dress wearing ostensible gay man uh has also crossed out his mind and he's like yeah dresses are for girls nerd yeah that's basically about how that goes yeah Oh my god. As for the match, it's not really a whole lot going mm -hmm. on here. But uh it you know, um it ends with uh you know, I mean, I will say that it was is neat is that Adrian Adonis is a big guy is a big guy. That was actually apparently intentional. I looked at I looked into that is that basically like he used to have a really good physique, but he intentionally let himself get fat to add to the gimmick. Because the idea is that he's soft and doughy. Oh my god! Adding to the effeminacy of it all—that's very fascinating and commitment to character. Anyway, oh, so it would be proud. A so he's a big dude, and Roddy Piper is able to throw him around, and that's kind of neat. Um, it ends. The match ends where Piper is thrown to the outside. And he, Jimmy Hart shows up because Jimmy Hart is Adrian Adonis's manager. And he shows up to be annoying. And eventually Adonis like grabs, um, it's like a perfume sprayer. It's not, not a perfume. That's a bad word. Um, it's kind of like those things that you would use to like spray plants, like a fumigator of sort. He kind of grabbed, he grabbed those things. Yeah. Yeah. He grabs one of those. And he, we don't know what he put in it, but he sprays Piper in the eyes with it. And then Piper spends the rest of the match blinded. And he went, and Adrian Adonis wins by count out because I, because Piper can't find his way back to the ring. <laughs> yeah. Walkie, walkie, um, walk. Yeah. Uh, we have multiple count out wins in this episode, too, which is also weird. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, this one, this one surprised me. It was one of the tamer matches of the episode. Like, mm -hmm. it was just kind of normal it wasn't like excruciatingly boring and long nor was it like exceptionally chaotic it just kind of happened okay yeah cool. it's for it's for a match that's supposed to kind of be like one of the more like few rivalry driven matches in, on this because adonis and piper are kind of rivals at this point it did feel just kind of there and i was kind of surprised mm. i was pretty surprised by that pleasantly uh, surprised honestly it was nice to have a little break from the insanity Yes, and then our main event, we get an intercontinental title match 
between Macho Man Randy Savage and Bruno San Martino. Mm. Uh, we've talked about him a few times on this podcast. Then I've never seen a Bruno San Martino match before because all of his stuff is way older than the stuff I've ever watched. So that's yeah, I, I'd heard the name and I wasn't sure if we'd ever like encounter him, but I knew he was a legend. Mm hmm. Um, and so this this is very much felt like you got to see the great a lot of the greatest hits of Bruno. Mm -hmm. Like this very felt very emblematic of anything I've ever seen of his style. Like know what I know of him. Um, basically, the match is is there. It's 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 admittedly a bit of a fan servicey match because they're in the Boston Gardens. That was one of Bruno's like biggest fan favorite strongholds when he was the champion. And so the crowd there is just really excited to see Bruno again. And so he spends most of the match kicking Randy Savage's ass. Yeah. Like they askew the traditional concept of like heel beats up the good guy to get heat to build to a babyface comeback. No, nah, none of that shit. <laughs> San yeah. Martino just kicks Savage's ass all the way around the ring. Yeah, that was a weird. I mean, like. Savage does get an upper hand at one point, and we'll get to we'll get to more of that. Um, but dear lord, the match just starts off with poor Savage getting knocked around like a bitch, just not showing up at all. And I was kind of concerned, like, the fuck is going on here? This is unusual. Yeah, we start with the very traditional heel Savage spot of hiding behind Elizabeth, using Elizabeth as a shield. <laughs> he does it twice in the match, and. Both times, eventually, basically, Sam Martino was able to like flank Savage and get on behind him, and then just yeah. kick his ass. Uh, but yeah, then he beats up Savage a lot. You get to see, uh, admittedly, Sam Martino has a very basic move set because that's what wrestling was like in the seventies. Like he wrestles like a guy who wrestled in the seventies. Oh my god! Yeah, it, he's he's a he's a big old hairy boy. Definitely Prince. Uh, definitely pre Vince's. Um, I just want fitness models. Model. Um, he's a uh, very and, he's a big burly dude. Yeah, it's interesting to see an old school wrestler because it does feel so removed from what we're used to at this point. Like he's it's not majorly gimmicky. He's not like majorly glistened up or anything. He's just a beefy dude who's good at fake fighting, and that's about yeah. it. It's kind of yeah. interesting to like. It's like it feels like a reversion to the old world. Yeah, and I think it's. And I don't know if I could ever sit through like a regular '70s show because of that kind of thing. But yeah, in the context, in the context of like being a throwback and and being a, such an interesting contrast to Randy Savage, who is all the glitz and gimmicky, mm -hmm. it I think it works and it's fun. Um, yeah, it was, it was cute. Uh, but then Savage starts to, starts to get the upper hand. He takes him outside the ring and holy shit, uh, he gets, he gets mad and he starts going to town. Um, and, yeah, he, he and San Martino to... kind of falls for it. Yeah. He's able to throw San Martino into the ring, into the ring post. And from there, mm -hmm. Savage makes his triumphant comeback and he's, he's getting down on him. And eventually we get to the finish of this match, which is very confusing to me. So. They're brawling outside and they're near where the announcers tables are because like to continue to kind of portray this idea of wrestling being like super realistic, they have the announcers tables right up by to the edge of the ring. Like not even like, you know, in modern wrestling, even if they have announcers at ringside, there's some distance. They're pushed back. They're pushed Which back. Is, no, know, they feel safer. 
yeah, in this era of time, the announcers are right fucking there just on one side of the ring. And so he, they end up brawling into the announce table area and Savage at one point just grabs a fucking chair and swings at Bruno and hits yeah. him in full well, view well, of after, the referee. After kind of like crashing into one of the announcers, if I remember correctly, like yeah, Jesus, those guys of, were kind of in danger of getting hurt if things went yeah. wrong. Yeah, one of the four, it would have been one of the either low, I assume local announcers, because it, was, it wasn't the two who were calling the match for the WWF. That was mm-hmm. Gorilla and Lord Alfred Hayes. So I assume it's one of the local TV announcers who was doing that, who was who who got run into there by Savage. Yeah, feels unsafe for sure. But then, yeah, he grabs a, ta- a chair and just as Bruno's trying to get back into the ring and he just hits Bruno San Martino in the back with a chair and the referee is literally watching them do that and says nothing. Uh, yeah, um he the 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 ref we we kind of had a ref moment and the bell then gets rung and uh as savage climbs back into the ring and we think oh yeah there it is yeah fuck you the ref got it thank god we're good and then nope the ref rang because san martino lost the count out and 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 savage wins Savage wins the match by count out not not san martino winning by dq because he got hit in the back with a chair yep weirdly kind of bad ending because it's yeah especially for this was clearly at a house show uh yeah it was at the boston yeah it was at the boston gardens and they they do through a thing afterwards where like house shows have to do right you send the crowd home happy right so san martino gets back in the ring and just starts kicking savage's ass to the point he puts him in the bear hug, which uh, is what it sounds like. And it's very old school submission hold. Mm-hmm. And that was San Martino's signature. And he's got it locked in so tight that three referees and five babyface wrestlers have to show up to drag San Martino off of Savage because they otherwise can't pry him away. He mm. just keeps the hold locked yeah. in tight. Yeah, it looks like they're having a nice little hug session. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's totally not painful. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, oh, my God. But, yeah. Um, again, the match devolves into chaos. We had so many of these. So many mm-hmm. of the tag team matches just ended with, like, everybody, like, fu- what was shit? What was the one that had, like, three refs in it by the end that were all, like, dicking on each other and, and, and were getting dicked on by everybody else? Wasn't that the was that was that was that the Tito was that Santana thing? It might have yeah, it might have been when Danny Davis was trying to pick a fight. Yeah, because sure I remember the lady was. ref was in there, the original ref was in there, and then the wrestlers got involved too. Yeah, I think that was the Danny Davis thing. Jesus, the amount of messy endings on this episode. Did Vince Russo like travel back in time and stealth write this? I'm Jesus. telling, I'm telling you, bro. What's gonna happen, bro? Is Randy Savage is gonna hit Bruno with a chair, bro? And then swerve, Savage wins by count out. No one will see it coming, bro. Oh my god. It when you say it like that, it sounds like a Vince Russo bit. God damn it. Yeah, no, just but, it, I don't know like what is with this set of episodes. I don't know what like weird ass mood the WWF was in, like Th- these weeks that this was happening but we got some weird like friendship baggage with with andre and and uh hogan that 
it clearly is somebody in the writer's room projecting something real hard. And I don't even want to know what. Um, and then we have just messy ending after messy ending. Just fucking total everything descending into chaos. Complete madness. Dogs and cats living together. Uh, mass hysteria. Um, it, it, it was a buzz. This whole thing was a bizarre fucking experience. Mm-hmm. And then I, 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 no and Danny Davis, <laughs> yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, quote from quote from Gorilla Monsoon. Um, yeah. Uh, Gorilla, God, Gorilla, Gorilla Monsoon, Monsoon is a hate Bobby, voter for Danny Gorilla, Davis. Gorilla, Mon, Gorilla Monsoon about Bobby Heenan or Danny Davis. It's true. Yeah. This man has no dick. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, no. It, here's what it is. The match was the match was going along just fine until uh, until the, um, the 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 face tie team got screwed over by Dickless here. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has yes, no sir. dick. Um, <laughs> oh boy, when was Ghostbusters? Is that our topical? Please tell me that was. Please tell me that was eighty-seven. Our episode title: Danny Davis has no dick. Um, Damn it! Ghostbusters is uh, eighty-four, and Ghostbusters two is eighty-nine. We can't claim either one. Um, uh, damn it. Anyway, so Danny, Danny Davis has no dick. That's our yeah, true. Yeah, that that's that's the moral of the story here is that Danny Davis. Has but anyway, yes, and I, I feel bad that I can't offer a whole lot more like analysis past that. It was just it was bizarre chaos, and I do not. I normally can extrapolate like where some of the writing decisions come from. I have no idea why we decided to just get weird this week. Like yeah, what was in the water? I don't. I don't know. This felt. This did feel very like chaotic and we're and we're just dqs and count outs and interference and all over the place and the weird thing and the weird thing is i was gonna say before we went off on this tangent it was kind of weird that like for the crowd home happy situation why they didn't just have Bruno win by dq there again like, a weirdly like like for, it, for like, the time gray area move for them yeah like it has to end with them being like and the winner of the match randy savage and then they all boo yeah yeah instead of instead of like you do the thing the exact same way and then you just end with and the winner by dq bruno san martino Martino. is nuts and everyone's happy yeah why did we do this like i know like like the 80s didn't do this heels don't win like this god especially not at house shows for the era i can imagine so like God, what was what could have been going on with Savage at the time that we had to, that we wanted to do shit like this? Like, I were we trying to build him up? Were we trying to like uh, rehabilitate his reputation? Like, is that I, a reason he sent Elizabeth away from ringside? Like, what's going on? Like, I, 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 the idea that they're building him up for the sake of WrestleMania is probably the best guess I could have. So then he could say he beat Bruno San Martino. But, but that's at a house show. Yeah, but he'd st- it aired on because it aired on primetime wrestling. It's the kind of thing they might be willing to reference, like on okay. TV. Okay. You know, this is this is uh, this is this is an era that house shows are still important. At least the big ones are. So they're it's it, they can't they're more likely to like bring up stuff that might have happened on those. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, this was definitely a weird, kind of a weird episode. In, yeah, but, but the but the the, the main mm-hmm. event, the the main thing that we were here for was legitimately really cool. Again, even if we're sitting here being like, "God, they're approaching this from the wrong angle, character wise," just the objectively incorrect like 
side to pick here, but but sure, whatever. Go off, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> the, also, the one Andre... more thing. Shout out to when Jack Tunney like uh fired, well, suspended indefinitely Danny Davis and sounded a lot like Vince yelling for somebody's like firing. I don't know how intentional that was, but probably he always sounds like that, so I don't think it was intentional. That's just what so Jack we just happen to have like a fake commissioner and a real commissioner who just sound exactly the same when they get pissed off. Yeah. Convenient. There's a there there's a comment about narcissism to be made here, I think. Um anyway. Um God, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe maybe the whole like a Hogan thing is just Vince like struggling with his own narcissism and just like failing to properly contend with it, and this is the best who we could get. <laughs> that now there's a thought. There's a thought. But hey, as, as we that's continue to as just we continue, theory. As we a continue wrestling to theory. Hey, as we continue to psychoanalyze Vince McMahon via the storylines he puts on television. Yeah, no. Uh, um, please don't take any of my armchair diagnosis seriously. I'm just saying words to be mean to Vince McMahon and nothing else. I promise I'm not trying to do a problematic. Please, guys, don't cancel me. I'm begging you. And on that note, we are going to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> my shirt wasn't saying be racist earlier, I promise. Uh, <laughs> you see, the thing is, our, our audio-only viewers are... Oh, God, that's going to sound really weird. The audio-only viewers. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, cut the segment. Cut, ring the bell. Ring the bell. Oh. Ding, ding. Ding, oh, ding. Oh, dear Lord. Ding, anyway. Okay, Next David's going to shut up now. We're going to quickly transition to next time. Yeah. Uh, next time we return to Lucha Underground. Yes. For the second half of season one. Now that Mil Muertes is dead forever and ever for realsies oh, for man. sure. See, we're going to get more of the other plot shit. Well, we are going to get, we, we do get Conan's big return. We do. As two championship matches, Alberto El Patron, who is not yet in jail. Versus Tejano. <laughs> yeah, the, the weekly check-in. <laughs> for the AAA mega title. And Prince Puma versus Cage in a Boyle Heights a street fight for the Lucha Underground title. Oh, my God. It's going to be dope. Uh, also waiting to see uh, when one my girl Black Lotus is going to come back. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> maybe. Will will she be back next week? We can't, can, we can't guarantee anything. We can neither confirm nor deny. Nope. Well, with that in mind, uh, David, hit the plugs. Yes, sir. All righty, friends. Thank you once again for joining us once more in this wild, wacky, weird, emphasis on the wacky and weird world of wrestling uh, on the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. If you are a returning listener, watcher, what have you, thank you so, so, so much for continuing to allow us back into your eyeballs and your drums week after week after week. We love spending the time with you. If you are brand new, welcome to the show. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think that we cater to both noobs and knockouts alike. So whether you're a seasoned wrestling fan or a complete and total newbie, we hope you feel welcome here. We hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to, and we hope you continue to join us in the future. If you would like to keep joining us and you are not entirely sure how to do so, not to worry, my friends. I have you covered, first of all, 
You can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Make sure the bell turns a nice little solid color so you get notified every single time we drop new episodes. Uh, overall, just be sure to check out our videos. Watch them through. Check out our playlist, too. All of our arcs that we follow on YouTube are, um, are, are separated into nice little organized playlists that we put into uh that 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 austin is so kind of to 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 organize for for us so if there's a specific story specific company specific era you want to follow along with us on you can check it all out individually in those super little organized playlists check them out add 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 our playlist to your playlists just have a grand old time with us on youtube uh we can also be found on three of the best places to find your podcast and that would be spotify apple and google check all of that shit out. Uh, listen to it all the way through. Give us those downloads, ratings, uh, reviews, whatever the hell it is that, that you know, gives us those sweet, sweet engagement numbers and tell the algorithm, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Maybe more people should be listening to them. I'm just saying. It's awesome. Check us out on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple, and on Google, whatever the hell suits your fancy. Uh, we also have social media. Check us out on Twitter. We are at Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on Twitter. We like to post all about wrestling on Twitter. We like to join uh, join in with discussions with the fandom. We like to post some dank dank memes. We post every single time we drop new episodes, letting you guys know that it's out, that it's ready for your consumption. And of course, the big, big, big highlight of our Twitter engagement is, of course, Austin live tweeting his weekly wrestling watching. My friend, what is on the docket coming up? All right, as usual, every Wednesday night, except for nights like tonight to date this recording when we have to do when I'm doing this with David, we are I am watching AEW Dino Mike live on TNT at 8 p.m. Eastern live because it is the one wrestling show I consistently watch live every week. So why not make some content out of it? Hey. In addition, all WWE Impact and AEW pay-per-views are tweeted out about and upcoming on september 26 2021 is wwe's next show extreme rules excellent my voice is back so i can do that now uh then we on october 23rd impact wrestling's next pay-per-view is bound for glory one of their biggest shows of the year if not their biggest show depending on who you talk to and then aew's next pay-per-view november 13th full gear um, I will have more to say about those shows as time as we get closer to, but that is where we are at going forward. Uh, David, no audio. Oh no, there we are. A lot shorter okay. than we're used to. Sorry about that. Uh, sure. Yeah. Check all that out. Uh, I, trying to, there's usually I'm trying to, one I'm, trying, here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to shoot, shorten those down. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, but yeah, so be sure to check that out, though. Uh, Austin's live tweeting is awesome. He's super insightful. He's super funny. He's super entertaining. Uh, and it's just, it just feels like you got a buddy watching along with you. And you do. Austin's a great buddy to have. I speak mm-hmm. experience. Um, so be sure to check that out. We love it when uh, when people are are in on our live tweeting with us. Uh, we also have an email account. You can email us at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word, and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from people. Uh, be sure to tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Uh, uh, how beautiful and wonderful our sultry dulcetones are, of course. Uh, so that that sweet, sweet wrestling-related ASMR that you just can't get enough of. Um, um, 
you know, give us requests of what you want to hear on the show, uh, arcs that you'd like to see us follow, uh, just general tidbits of history you want to share with us, just anything, any sort of discourse you want to start with us, we're fucking here for it. Um, so please, please, by all means, come have a good time with us. We love it um, when when people talk to us, and we would love to talk back to you. So so come say hi at our email again. That is noobsandknockoutspod at gmail. Com. And finally, we are on Patreon. Come check us out on Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. See you guys next time. Hasta luego.